Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. Yes, Lord, we invite you this morning into our living rooms. We invite you into our hearts, Lord. Would you come and have your way in our midst? As, as I speak, Lord, I ask that your presence would come and meet people where they're at, whether you're sitting at home or drinking a cup of coffee. I just ask that, Jesus, this morning we would meet with you and we would encounter you. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Taryn, and um, I'm preaching this morning. I just wanted to say thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'm married to Greg. And I have few, four beautiful daughters, and um, it's just such a privilege to be able to um, share with you today. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you to um, Melindy and Lefefe for hosting so well. It's actually their wedding anniversary today, so I just wanted to give them a yay and happy wedding anniversary, 12 years. And it's actually Greg and my wedding anniversary tomorrow, which is 13 years. So yay. And I'm just so excited that it is because um, God's story that I want to share with you this morning is about a bride and a bridegroom. And I was just so excited that it happened to fall on the day of, of wedding anniversaries or just the day before. And sometimes God uses these little things to speak to us. So... Um, yeah, the Holy Spirit has really been highlighting this topic to me over the past couple of months about the bride and the bridegroom. And I've had dreams and visions when I've prayed and been in worship and in song. This theme has been coming through over and over again. And so I wanted to just take you on a journey this morning through what God's plan is and his story for us as his people and a lot of um, the things that I've been listening to is from, um, just to give some reference, is from the IHOP Ministries um, with Mike Bickle. They've done months of study and research on this topic. So if you want to find out more, it just interests me so much. They, they've done months and months of research about this. So if you want to find out more, you, you're welcome to go and have a look there. And then I've also been reading the book, The Divine Romance. Um, by Edwards, and that's also, it's such a beautiful book of poetry and the story, the great story of God. So I just wanted to invite you in. So God's story is not just a heaven and hell issue. It's not just a heaven and hell story, how we saved out of hell to get to heaven. And it's not just about what we call to do on the earth, the good works that he's prepared for us to do. But it's a story about a bride and a bridegroom and their eternal companionship. And in the beginning of the word, it starts off in the garden with a relationship, with a marriage. And um, before creation happened, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were planning and preparing and thinking, how can we prepare a bride for the Son? And they had this um, plan set in place, and then they began to create. And... In Genesis, God creates Adam, and Adam is the human spirit destined for intimacy with God. Adam is the very um, image of God that is destined to have relationship with him in the garden. And then Eve was created, this 
bride, this groom for um, this bride for Adam. So I want to take you through the Bible this morning. So that's in Genesis, and then as you're reading along, um, I want to highlight areas in Scripture where this is revealed. And um, the reason why I want to do this is because it communicates that it's actually so important, and it's actually really on God's heart. This this concept in this story, and if. The, the church is seen as the bride of Christ. But if you're a man, you might say, well, how can I be a bride? And so you might tap out. But I'm saying, don't. Don't tap out. Because actually, this concept doesn't challenge your masculinity. It actually establishes it. Because what happens is, when you realize the position of being a bride in Christ, then you are able to function in the fullest when you are connected to God's heart, like a bride and a bridegroom relationship. So men, don't tap out, engage, become the bride of Christ. I am a son of God and you're in the bride. So um, if you look at Song of Songs, it's this beautiful story, this beautiful poetry about a lover and the beloved. If you look at Hosea 2, 19 to 20, it says, I will betroth you to me forever I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. And the betroth, the word betroth means a legal, full permanent commitment and a binding of the heart. And so that's what God is saying he would do for us. He wants to betroth us. He wants to marry us. And so there's this beautiful salvation story where we get Um, We were separated from God in the garden through sin. And we were in the world and the people were in sin and darkness. And God's plan was to send his son because God decided that he needed relationship with us and we couldn't do it ourselves. We couldn't enter in because we kept falling short. We kept falling short of the law and the requirements. And so what God did is he made a way for us and he sent his only son, Jesus, to take our place. Because with sin, sin leads to death and someone has to die. And so Jesus came and took our place and he died in our place so that we could be washed clean and forgiven and enter back into the garden to have relationship with with God and um have this uh, picture of the bride and the bridegroom, have this intimate relationship that God intended from the beginning. So Jesus makes the way for us. And this morning, I want to show you Jesus, the bridegroom. I, 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 if you look in the New Testament, the first announcement of this concept is with John the Baptist. John the Baptist has a revelation of the bridegroom God. And he explains that he's not the bridegroom. He says that he, the one who has the bride, is the bridegroom. And John says he is only the friend of the bridegroom. And he is pointing to Jesus. He's preparing the way for the bridegroom to come. And this morning, I want to take on the role of John the Baptist and say, hey, stop, look, look at the bridegroom Jesus. Have a picture of who he is. It says a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the way for our God. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to um, make ways so that you can see 
Jesus in his fullness this morning. And so John then baptizes Jesus, and then Jesus reveals himself as the bridegroom God. And in the beginning of his ministry, and I just love this story, his first miracle is at a wedding. And he um, begins in this whole story about the, where he turns the water into wine. He has this miracle that he performs. And what I love is that he saves the best wine for last. And so they all asked in the story, why do you serve the best wine at the end? And I believe that this is even a prophetic declaration of what God is doing now in the last days, that the best wine is for now, in these last days now. But um, Jesus starts off his ministry at a wedding, which is such a beautiful picture. And then in Matthew 22, which is actually Jesus' final message to um, the crowd that he speaks. So he's just about to die. And this is the very last message that he gives to the people which is quite significant because you think if it's the last thing I get to say to the crowd, I wonder what would he say? And this is what he says in Matthew 22. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. Immediately after this parable, Jesus calls Israel to himself and he says, um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength. And Jesus is calling the church, the Israel, the bride, to love the Lord, the Lord your God. And then if you go to Matthew 25, um, this parable that Jesus shares is actually to his disciples. So it's a, to a smaller group of people. It's not to the crowd. And this is a beautiful story, which I just want to read briefly for you. In Matthew 25, 1 to 13, it says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish one took their lamps, but they did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Um, our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. For both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut, and later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So this is a very interesting parable, and I just want to just share some parallels with you um, and some things that are revealed through the story. So you can picture Jesus being the bridegroom. He is the great bridegroom that's coming. And the ten virgins could be seen as ten, ten people or yeah, ten people who know Jesus, who are saved, born again, and um, who have their ministries, their lamps are burning. Ten burning ministries, shining your light for Jesus in your workplace, 
in your whatever you're doing, whatever God's called you to do. It's your, it's your networking, your ministry. But you get the five foolish, um, the five foolish virgins, and they get busy, and they lose their oil. They get networking with their ministries, but their hearts are far from Him. So you could say that their footprint is getting bigger in their ministries, but their hearts are getting smaller. They took their lamp, but they didn't take any oil. And the oil speaks of intimacy with Jesus. It speaks of the relationship that we have, this ongoing intimacy with Christ. And then you get the five wise virgins, and their jars are full. The oil of intimacy is with Jesus. They prioritize keeping their jars filled with oil. And if you look at the signs of the times, I would say times are tough and we are in the end times and we need oil to keep us going. There's sickness around us, there's evil, there's lawlessness, there's offense, there's darkness. On a day-to-day basis, we are surrounded by very difficult times. And we need oil in our lamps as believers to keep us burning despite the darkness around us. And the bridegroom is coming. Jesus is coming back for his bride. And we need to go out to meet the bridegroom. And it says that they couldn't share their oil. They couldn't um, give their oil to someone else because That oil is that intimate relationship that you have with Jesus. And um, it's available to you all the time, an unending measure. And you have access to that oil any time of day, any moment. And um, you need to just bring your jar to Jesus and he'll fill that oil. And it talks about buying the oil. And there's nothing that we have to pay to receive the oil in terms of um, Christ has made a way and his oil is outpoured for us. But it does talk about investing ourselves in a costly way. So sometimes we need to position ourselves to receive the oil, and that might be costly because it might cost you time, it costs your attention. And so it's not that you, it's not about a matter of salvation, it's about receiving God's oil of intimacy, and making time and provision for that. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of the foolish versions left outside when the bridegroom is inside. And what's interesting is that he knock, they knock on the door and he actually say, they say, let us in. And he says, I'm sorry, I never knew you. And so it's that intimacy, that knowing Jesus, that keeps our jars full. And that's what God wanted to restore back from when he was in the garden with Adam and Eve. That's what he wanted to restore back when he sent his son Jesus, is that relationship. So when you come to Christ, it's not only that you are now no longer going to hell. It's not only that you can now do and live with um good works, but it's actually about this relationship that we have, this living and active relationship that we have with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And to continue in John 15, it says, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Now abide in my love. 
And Jesus has called us to abide in him. And when we abide, we're able to bear fruit. We're able to produce fruit. It says the true kingdom fruit that flows from the heart that is continually receives love from God. So when you are continually receiving from God, you are able to flow. The oil is able to flow out and you are able to bear fruit as you abide in him. In John 14, 23, it says, Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and we will make our dwelling place within you. And God's promise is that he will be within us. He will dwell within us like we are his temple. And I love that song. This is a house of healing. It's like our house. It's like our bodies, our house, the church. It's the temple, the body, and the church. He will come and be within us. He will dwell within us. And in verse 24, it says, The Father, Father, I desire that when, this is when Jesus is praying. He says, Father, I desire that they may be with me where I am. I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. And um, he prayed for aspects of the bridal relationship that they may be with him, and he reveals the Father to them, um, and that they love him like the Father does. So there's, Jesus speaks often about this, this relationship and this concept. And then even now going over across to Paul, when you look at Paul, and Paul was never married, and he explained marriage as some kind of mystery. But in Ephesians 5, 25, it says, As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He was explaining how this concept of marriage is like how Christ loved the church and gave himself up the way that a husband and a wife should love each other. And in Ephesians 5, 32, it says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And Paul speaks about how the church gets washed by the word. And in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, it says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I may present you as a pure virgin to him. And Paul's goal was to get the church ready so that they could be presented to Christ in, in his coming and be ready. So the first two chapters of the Bible, we see a bride and a bridegroom in the garden. And in the final four chapters of the Bible, which is in Revelation 19 to 22, we see again a bride and a bridegroom in the garden in paradise. And in Revelation 7 verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, to him who sits on the throne, throne and unto the Lamb. And we, God's people, we the church are his bride. And in Revelation 19, it says, Then I heard the sound like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing water, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear, and the fine linen 
stands for the righteous acts of the God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And I don't know about you, but I want to be at the wedding supper of the Lamb. I want to be a part of the bride of Christ. And he also, I mean, it just goes on and on. It just speaks about how Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. And Jesus is coming as the bridegroom king to a prepared bride. And being in a position to have access to his heart and his emotions and intimacy with him. That's what he is calling us to. And if you think about the marriage relationship um, between a husband and a wife, and I'll just, there's a picture that's going to come up of Greg and, and my wedding day. And if you think about the intimacy that is between a husband and a wife, and also the exclusivity of that relationship, how I get to have a relationship with Greg, and Greg has a relationship with me, and nobody else gets the privilege of that intimacy and that communion and that um, level and depth of intimacy. Um, it's just between two people, a husband and a wife, and it's this beautiful um, connection, this beautiful um, relationship that's exclusive, and that's what makes it so special, is that it's just between the two of us. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. That's what we get when we are called to be the bride of Christ. We get his emotions. We get his commitment to us. We get to share. He shares with us. He shares his heart. He shares his home. And he shares his throne with us. Isn't he so kind? So Jesus, so that's Greg and I get to share our home together. We get to share our bed. We get to share that intimate relationship. But Jesus is offering that same, he, he describes that same picture for his church, for his people. He shares his heart, his home, and his throne with us. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. And it's so, we're so, um, so undeserving. And he just makes a way for us through his blood. It's, it's really, it overwhelms me sometimes. But um, we get to have a wholehearted mutual partnership with Jesus. And I got the picture of, there's a scripture about how I'll just, it says, I'll just have the crumbs that fall off your table, or I'll just have the hem, I'll just touch the hem of your garment. And those are beautiful things because we can, we can have access to these things. But actually, he's called us to dine with him. He's called us to sit with him at the table. He's called us to eat with him and be and dwell with him and live in his home and be with him in an ongoing relationship. And so the bride's response now that we look, now what's our response to this picture and this revelation? In Revelation 22 verse 17, it says, The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come. One of the most important end time prophecies is the scripture describing the role of the spirits together in unity with the church at the end of the age. And we get to partner now with the Holy Spirit. We get to work together with the Holy Spirit 
and call Jesus back to come. So there's this, this longing where the bride is longing for her groom to come, to return. And we also are calling the multitudes, the nations, every tribe to come and be a part of the bride. And so there is, we get to partner with the Holy Spirit. And so we respond with love and with a spirit of obedience. We respond in prayer and in worship and intercession. We respond as messengers of this great and glorious gospel as we cry, come and meet the bridegroom. We respond with fasting because when the bridegroom is not here, we fast. We, we am calling him back. We respond in obedience. We respond with acts of righteousness. And we are in the world, um, but we are not of the world. So we don't do what the world does. We are separated from the world, but we are calling the world to come to Christ. And so, yeah, this God empowers us through the Holy Spirit in our midst and everyday circumstances to look like him and become more like him. And um, the last scripture that I want to share with you before we end off is um, about how this in Revelation 22, Jesus is coming back for his bride and he makes a new Jerusalem and he comes back and it's like he, we're returning back to the garden. And um, at the end of the age, we're back in the garden with the bride and the bridegroom. So my cry to you today is to get yourself ready. Get yourself ready because Jesus is coming back <laughs> and he's returning to a pure and spotless bride, and have your jar filled with oil. Spend time with Jesus, and so that when he comes, you may enter in and dine with him. And just before I end off, there's three groups of people that I really wanted to minister to today. And the, one, the first group is if you don't know Jesus and you've never met him, and you've never um, known him in a deep and intimate relationship with him, you've never been saved and born again, this morning you can ask for Jesus to come and wash you clean and forgive you of your sins and you can become a part of this great and glorious bride just by asking and just by believing and he can make you a part of, of this bride. He loves you very much and he's calling, him to you, he's calling you to himself this morning. The second group of people I wanted to address was those who are married. And I believe God is speaking to, to marriages this morning. And I said, yeah, how is your marriage? How is your relationship? Are you missing each other? Are you on the same page? Are you not? This morning when this ends, I want you to just take a moment and look at each other in the eyes. Give each other time and attention. Tell each other you love each other. Tell each other you forgive, you forgive the other person. Tell them, tell them, pray together, ask God to help you. And if you are struggling and you need help, call on the community. There are lots of people um, here in, in Glenridge that are willing to walk with you, to help you along. God's plan is marriage and the enemy loves to attack marriage because he does not like it and it's God's ultimate plan. And we want to fight against the the works of the enemy. So if you're struggling in your marriage, speak up, cry for help, phone, phone one of the leaders. We'll help walk through with you. And then the third group, the last group, 
is I just wanted to say that if you've lost your first love and your jar is empty, this morning allow Jesus to fill your jar up again. Sit and wait on him. Take time, devote your attention to him. Whatever you need to do, close your door, sit on your couch, put on worship music, but ask God to fill your hunger for him. Allow that hunger for him to grow, a deep, deep longing for Jesus and our relationship with him. And so, yeah, that, that's the end of my preach. Um, I hope that it's ministered to you, but please do take time to be with Jesus. That's the main thing. If you can remember anything, it's just to be with him, the great bridegroom. Thanks, guys. <laughs>